Yo, 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 this is Oz, host and founder of Salinas Underground Podcast. And this is Claudia Melendez Salinas, co-founder of Voices of Monterey Bay. If you've been paying attention, you probably noticed that we've teamed up with Voices of Monterey Bay to bring you some political coverage. So far, we've interviewed supervisor candidates Steve McShane and Wendy Root Askew and Salinas City Council candidates Carla Viviana Gonzalez and Anthony Rocha. We have much more on tap. This week, we've interviewed mayoral candidates Chris Barrera and Kimberly Craig and District 6 candidate Vanessa Robinson. This experiment of us will continue for the next few weeks or until the election arrives. We don't know whatever comes first. Let us know what you think. Send us an email or find us on Twitter or Facebook. And now, without further ado. All right, so we're here today with Ernesto Gonzalez, who's running for Salinas Mayor. Ernesto, welcome. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. So do you want to take the first one? Sure. I mean, this is the, the standard. The standard simplest question. Introduce yourself. Who are you and why did you decide to run? And how much time do I have to <laughs> answer that? <laughs> well, so the show runs for an hour and we try to get at least 10 questions in. So, yeah, if you. Okay, so anyways, um, uh, I grew up in uh, Brownsville, Texas. I was about six years old when I started helping my parents uh, pick cotton in Texas. Uh, the laws were less restrictive in terms of child labor laws then. And so that's when I first started working. We would go, uh, some of my brothers and sisters would go to the front and then pick uh, the cotton from the bulbs and make little piles in the rows so that when my dad and my mom would come up, they would get the piles and then put them into the uh, bag they were dragging. And so that's when I kind of started my work. Then I, as I grew, I worked in um, picking oranges and also picking potatoes in Texas. Uh, when I was old enough, I... Um, sold newspaper, the Brownsville Herald, started selling newspapers, and then we sold fruit like strawberries and watermelons and cantaloupes and things like that door-to-door. Used to cut yards, pass flyers, and then eventually as uh, I grew older, I was hired with the Brownsville Herald to be an inserter of some of the specials. So that's kind of where uh, I did uh, my beginning of my work. In about 1977, uh, we moved to the outskirts of Salinas. I come from a family of 10. Um, There are six brothers and four sisters. My dad and my mom had a second and third grade education in Mexico. My great-great My great-grandfather was born in La Feria, Texas in 1867 and died in 1965, 62, I think. So he was 95, and I was about seven or eight years old, so uh, um, about 18 years after uh, Texas became part of the United States of America. And so um, my dad would migrate to different places in Florida and other areas with some of my brothers and sisters. 
And uh, I would stay at home as the second to the eldest. Uh, my eldest brother had joined the Marines. And so as we were growing up, like four or five of us would be taken to Ciudad Victoria, Tamaulipas, to spend some time with my on my mother's side with some of my uncles and aunts down there because it was a large family, one sibling after the other. And so in 77, we came to um, California, California. Uh, all 10 of you with your parents and everybody? Yeah, everybody. My dad had been going and had come up here to California with some of my brothers and sisters. And they said, you know, allá se va el dinero en las calles. And so we thought, oh. So all of us just got up and, 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 and left. Uh, so we came out here to the outskirts of Salinas by River Road and Pine Canyon Berries. There used to be a trailer, a trailer home with about 16 trailers. And so uh, they rented one and a half for the family. And, uh, you know, it was a two-bedroom trailer and it had like four beds in one room. And my dad and my mom would live in the living room and things like that. So, um, and so that's where I met my wife, Francisca Salinas Gonzalez. Her last name is Salinas? Yeah. That's she's, awesome. Uh, <laughs> she's like, I have to live here. That's <laughs> awesome, yeah. She's uh, Simon Salinas' sister, so. Oh, okay. So, so there. So. <laughs> ya salió el peine. Ya salió el peine. So, <laughs> so you've been living in Salinas for 43, 43 years, years, right? So how did you get, what type of experience, life experience, give you the desire to run for mayor? Uh, well, one of the one of the uh, the things, if uh, uh, if I just may, may finish the the other little piece, uh, um, and so we worked in the strawberries and stuff. And so after I met my wife, she said, "What are you doing in the fields?" Because I had like almost two years of college in Texas, and so I decided to go back get my associate of arts degree, my bachelor of arts degree liberal studies. My, then I got my teaching credential and my administrative credential. I worked as an instructional aide uh, for about a year and a half, no supervisor, you know, when I left the strawberries. And then I became a long-term substitute, substitute and teacher, bilingual research teacher, uh, vice principal and principal, and then uh, principal and special assignment with state and federal programs with Salina City Elementary School District. So I worked with LSL for 13 years. 17, 18 with, uh, with Salina City. But anyways, um, growing up in Texas, uh, I was about 15, 14, 15 when the Brown Berets uh, went to Texas. Forgot where they were there for, protect the border or something. And so that's where my first involvement in politics when I uh, marched with the Brown Berets uh, when I was like maybe about 45, 46 years, 47 years ago. <laughs> and so that was uh, my, my first big, big beginnings. But I guess even beyond, before that, you know, growing up in Brownsville, a lot of the little young teenagers were being killed in the alleys. The alleys were dark. I'm not sure if you know a little how the setup of, uh, uh, in some areas are, you have your houses and an alley, and then houses and streets. So in the alleys, that's where the trash, uh, the garbage collectors or trucks come. So a lot of times, a lot of the kids were being killed in the alleys because they were dark and the police officers would shoot and kill. And, and then they would say, well, we thought the kid had, a gun, and they didn't find anything, obviously. 
And so um, you hear a lot of, of, of those type of things. And then you started hearing about individuals. I remember a name, Lerma. Um, I was about 15, and he was one of the persons that was running. So you started to hear people about getting involved and, and, and elected to different office. Then you heard about the United Farm Workers and the great boycotts, and then we went out there to, to help with the, the, the great boycott at, at that time. And so uh, right before we moved to, to California, and so when we moved up here, then we were involved in a lot of the, the marches with the United Farm Workers, with uh, Dolores Huerta and, and Cesar Chavez. I grew up listening to a lot of music from Antonio Aguilar and, and, and Luis Aguilar, and then a lot of the corridos de Emiliano Zapata, Francisco Villa, uh, Benjamin Argumedo, a lot of the revolutionary, and saw some of those 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 movies. So that kind of stuck with me, I guess. So when we moved up here to, to California, then you st- started to hear some of the same things with, with some of the movement, et cetera. Uh, so when I, when I um, uh, became like about 22, 23, I started to get more involved with a group with the Alice Albetterman Committee. At that time, it was um, Jesse Sanchez, the late Jesse Sanchez, and, you know, Fernanda Armenta. We were together, a lot of group people that were together trying to change the system before Salinas was a city where um, the candidates were elected at large and they were in district elections. So um, a lot of the different individuals who were elected into the city council, which was a a five-member council, um, we're basically representing the South Side. So then we used uh, the late attorney, uh, Joaquin Avila, to try to change the system using the Voting Rights Act of 1965. And so what what we did is uh, we got involved through LULAC, to MAPA, the Mexican-American Political Association, the LULAC, the Alice Alberman Committee, then when the, Demo- the Monterey County Democratic Club didn't want to support us in certain issues, we created our own club called La Raza Democrats of Monterey County, and that's defunct. We used it for whatever purposes we needed it at that time. Um, so we, we started uh, one of the founders of the Salinas Area Bilingual Educators, Sabe, out of, with part of the CAVE, California Association of Bilingual Educators. And so then I was involved with uh, with LULAC and a bunch of organizations that, that we were pushing hard to try to change the systems. Uh, then we were involved in a lot of the lawsuits to try to change the systems. It was one of the original, one of the plaintiffs when we tried to change the, the, the memorial, the hospital board. Uh, to try to change the election systems, but we failed on that one. I was deposed in the court of San, Ho- San Jose when, you know, with Joaquin Avila and others. And then that eventually, like some years back, was able to be redone and be successful. We used to run candidates to find out how people were voting. We didn't just run candidates to win. So we would get uh, Dr. Juan Olivares, myself, and others, we would run candidates to find out how people were vote, actually voting to try to use it uh, for voting rights in terms of was there 
was there a particular way that different individuals were voting based on race? And so not only that, but we wanted to know, like, when the census would come around, we would look at precincts and we would say, okay, a Latino won in this precinct, a Latino lost in this precinct, a Latino won in this. So when we would go back and look at census data and create districts, we would be able to to cut the lines so that we would be able to make the district stronger for Lat- for a Latino, for the Latino or minority community to have a chance of elected a candidate of choice. Doesn't matter whether it was black, Latino, whatever that, but it was mm-hmm. a, a candidate of choice of the minority communities. And so uh, sometimes we weren't supposed to win, but we worked it hard and were able to win barely. But the reality is that we were also looking for data in terms of how to change the systems. Uh, so then we ran, you know, Simon Salinas uh, uh, for against, at that time, it was Juan Uranga that was running for city council. And so Simon Salinas, my brother-in-law, so, you know, we brought in Southwest Voter Registration Project to do voter registration. And so Simon won that that by a landslide. And then, then there was that division with Simon and, 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 and Jesse Sanchez when um, they both wanted to run for supervisors. And so, you know, there were three candidates. There was, uh, I think it was a JT James, a retired sheriff, and Jesse Sanchez and Simon. I don't know if there was another one at Dunsford or something like that. But at the end of the day, Simon and, and the retired sheriff were the top vote getters. And so then we, uh, like a week, a month before the election, that's when, Simon had that huge uh, a crash, um, and uh, we still beat the, the sheriff. But one of the things is that people don't know that uh, I was there when we were having the fundraiser, and Simon was just drinking water. And so when I went to visit my dad at Camp 21, two hours came back, and then there was that accident. I said, there's, there's no way Simon, you know, could have been DUI. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we heard later through some people that had heard some of the sheriffs talking that, laughing that, you know, did you hear that we put something in Simone's drink? Oh, damn. And, and so, but that's not out there, really. Yeah. It's, it's something that I, <laughs> that, that I've heard and know. Yeah. That, you know, and so, but then, then, then we There's ran, no iPhones see, back then, then. yeah, and then, <laughs> then Simone ran for, um, for the uh, assembly, and that's when all of Sacramento was against us. You know, Lieutenant Cruz Bustamante, uh, the Polanco, who was then at that time the head of the Latino caucus, and a lot of people uh, basically were uh, from Sacramento, were, were, we were taking them all on, and, and we beat them also. So, so we've been around involved in a lot of the different elections, and recently I just helped my daughter-in-law, uh, Maricela Lara, get elected over at um, in Soledad, Maricela Lara. Mm-hmm. And so I, 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 I hear a lot of stuff that, and you hear people throughout, like even if after people are elected, people promise a lot of things. A lot of times it's just false promises. That's why I don't try to promise people Never have I tried to promise people a lot, even as a teacher or a principal. So those are some of the things that, you know, when people promise, they promise things just to think that that's what people want to hear. And I'm not used to that. But that's kind of why I decided to 
to run because a lot of times the east side, the north side, the west side, a lot of times is neglected. And even some yeah. sections of the south side, but, you know, money buys elections and that's the reality of life. I'm trying to run with about a $7,000 budget, my own money, not that I have a lot of money, <laughs> but I'm trying to, number one, I knew going in there was going to be a tough election to win, but I also wanted to see how, it's hard to get the message out, but you know how how do you try to change the system? And so that is what I'm trying to to figure out. How do you change some of the system? Well, I mean, and that's quite an extensive resume. And so my my question then: Do you feel that you running is a kind of a culmination or of a natural progression of you doing all these political things or is just something going on in the city that you're like, no, I need, I have to run because it needs my leadership, my type of leadership now. Um, Number one is I don't necessarily consider myself a leader. I consider myself more of a follower uh, because a lot of times people, I, I don't have all the answers. I don't even claim to have one fourth of the answers. And yeah. when people say I'm a leader, I'm a great leader, you know, that's what people want to say. A, a person who is a follower has to be a great listener. A person has to be able to listen to what people are saying and really listen because a lot of times, yeah, 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 okay, thank you. I got your vote and you're you're done and you're gone and you, your promises never come to fruition. So I don't believe that you know, only a person, if other people believe that and say you're you're a good leader or an okay leader or a fantastic or a great leader, the other people have to say it. I mean, you can, I don't like to say that. I like to say, you know, I'm going to listen to people and we're going to stand arm in arm and together. And, and, and when you really listen to people, then it's when you're standing with people. And... Um, you can go and do some of the fights that you need to do, but you know I've been involved forever in a day, and you and and you see the same things. Like I said, you know, growing growing up and kids being killed, and maybe maybe not as much in 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 Salinas. It it still has happened in the last couple of years mm-hmm. where you know some people have been shot. But I think that that we need to try to make a little bit of change in terms of how some of the budget is distributed. Because a lot of times, you you know, you can say, like, for example, some people are saying, oh, this person is going to take care of fixing all the streets and all the sidewalks. You know, and it, realistically, is it? You know, if, if I could come and tell you right here, oh, in a two, three, four, six years, all the streets of Salinas and all the sidewalks are going to be taken care of. You know, you can come back in 8, 10, 20 years and I say, well, well what happened? You know, it's, it's, it, yeah. and so that's not necessarily true. So basically, I think I think that we can take care of it, uh, but not only like in the center of in, in certain areas or South Salinas, some other areas, like I said, have been neglected. So you can help a little bit, then I think that's important because I would be lying if, you know, if I say, oh, I'm going to take care of all of that because it just realistically it's not going to happen. And, well, can you just, if you just, like let's say you you rebuild Alice Allen Williams and a bunch of the east side, a bunch of the streets, put them all brand you know, up to the current standards. 
is that all it would take to like kind of unify the city or where, you know, how do you bridge that, that division? Cause I, I agree with you that there, that is one of my, I, I love this town a lot, but it is kind of very divided right? in, in, in for whatever reason, but it, would it, I mean, could we just say, okay, 80% now of all infrastructure money is going now to the east side. Would that all of a sudden make those citizens feel like part of Salinas or welcome? Or, or I mean, how can we do that? Yeah, and I don't know if, like like I said, it, it would be also not fair to say 8% of the budget. Yeah, yeah. We're going to go to Salinas. But, but I think that it should be spread uh, a little more throughout because there are some places that have never really been touched for, you know, for a long, long time. But I think that that's not the only thing in terms of streets and in terms of sidewalks that are, is going to bring people together. I think there are a lot of different components that need to happen. And even at, at that, even at that point, uh, Sometimes you cannot change people and you cannot change uh, classes of how people think or feel mm -hmm. and act. Uh, whether they're being impacted far by their education or whether they're being impacted by their parents' uh, level of education or what some parents believe or in terms of the finances or in terms of drug usage or non or alcohol, alcoholism. Uh, or how large the size of whatever the factors are, you know, sometimes you just got to try to work with people to try to make things better. Not that I, 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 I'd be pretty much surprised to see we can get to a hundred percent or, but at least the intent is to try to work with individuals to try to make the systems better and not necessarily in terms of infrastructure, but also in terms of partnerships, in terms of the school systems, in terms of safety, in terms of all the different areas that need to be taken care of. And, and like I said, it's, it's going to be tough for whoever is there, but I think that, that, when individuals say that I'm the only one that's ready to to enter into the mayorship and feel comfortable in doing this, it's kind of implying that none of the other candidates are, and it's implying that no one out there in the community is ready to take that role. And that's kind of slap on the face and a lot of people. So anyways... I have, the question I have for you now is, um, you, you mentioned that you enter the race because you want to change things. Like sometimes people enter races not just to win, but just but to change things or find out if people, how people are voting. What do you see out there that needs to get changed? And what would you change if you were to win the mayorship? Uh, well, I think you, uh, in the, the first thing is you have to look at, I, I've always looked at systems. And, the, and, and one of the big pieces that you, any place, is that you have to look at the systems in place and are they functioning or are not functioning. And so whatever's working, you know, is it working to, to the maximum or does it need minor adjustments or do you need to really change the entire system? And I've always looked at that since forever. Remember when I was a bilingual resource teacher and like 25, 30% of my job was entering data. But the clerk typist 
it was centering data also, similar to what I was doing. So I asked my director, I said, look, the job that I'm doing, I'm spending third, like one third of the time entering data and doing this job. The clerk typist is doing the same thing, and her data is cleaner than mine because I'm dealing with educating kids. So can we eliminate that part of my job and invest it more in the education of the kids? Because this other person has the same, same information, and hers is cleaner. So she looked at it, and she said, you know what, Ernesto? You're right. You don't have to do that, that, that piece anymore. So it's looking at the system. So like one-third of my, my time in terms of doing that, now I'm spending with the education of kids. And, and, and so one of the things is that we have to look at the systems in place and, and try to change them if possible. Obviously, here you have to convince other people, uh, whether it's the unions, whether it's the council members, whether it's other people. But as a mayor, you still have a lot more leverage to try to guide some things in a, in, in a certain way. Now, one of the pieces is what what might be different. But you look at, at, at systems, what is in place. And a lot of times for years we've heard about, I mean, I've been involved in like, oh, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. You know, and gets on a paper, gets on a plan at the end of the day. That's all it is. It's a booklet or something gets on a shelf and it really doesn't get done. So I, I know how the game is played so that you can try to appease some of the community. But it's really not about creating a plan. I think it's about implementation. And a lot of times is that you can create all the plans you want and the best plans in the world. But if there's the implementation piece of it is not there, then it's not going to happen. And you're going to be spinning wheels all the time. Three things that are different from me that I believe um, that, that none of the other candidates are talking about is, um, and you hear it all over the place, but as far as for mayorship, um, is campaign finance reform. So several people have asked me to donate money to my campaign, but I said, well, if I take a little bit of money here, a little bit of money there, if I raise a thousand, two thousand, three thousand dollars, and my thing is I want to spend six to seven thousand dollars on my own money. Not that I'm, like I said, rich, but what's the message that I'm trying to put out there is that we need to figure out how to create campaign finance reform. Because if not, then the wealthy whether they're billionaires, whether they're millionaires, whether they're rich people, are always going to control the elections. And so for me, campaign finance reform is, well, how do I self-impose it? And so I say, well, it'll tell me some information. Like, it's mayorship is every two years, right? So I figure, okay, I started late for X reasons. I only had 13 weeks. I know it takes at least a year. But I said, well what data can we gather? Just like when we ran candidates, like, will people look at it? I mean, I was a principal and a teacher for years. Will students and parents remember me that I greeted them every every day with a smile, a handshake, buenos dias, como esta? The custodians, the, the, the classified, hola, Roberto, como estas? Hola, señor, so-and-so. And will people remember Mr. Gonzalez? Oh, that was, that was Mr. Gonzalez, uh, you know, and he's running. So for 30-plus years, I build, you know, hopefully people will remember who Mr. Gonzalez is, right? And some people are, are remembering. So so 
campaign finance reform is, 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 is one because if not, we're going to be the same place all the time. People with the money buying basically elections. It doesn't change. The other is term limits. Uh, you know, you have term limits in, in the state assembly and the state senate, 12 years max. So how do we change the system uh, to figure, you know, have politicians there for 18, 20, 22 years. And then they say, oh, this person, if you like this person, he's going to come here and fix the roads and, and fix the streets. Well, you've been there 18, 20, 22 years. Why hasn't it happened? <laughs> you know, and so, so that's why I say I'd be lying to to anybody that's hearing this or people that I tell us that that I'm, that those are gonna get done in two, four, or six years because you know, and then and then and then trees keep on growing. So let's say you start fixing certain things, and you know, trees are growing, roots are growing, so they're gonna brood some other other areas. So. One of the pieces we have to look at, on a side note, uh, in terms of the type of tree that is planted when subdivisions are developed, because then you can prevent some of the sidewalks to some degree from those roots uplifting those sidewalks. So that's a big piece. Those are two um, areas in terms of, of, uh, of uh, limits. The, there's a couple of other areas, I believe, in local local hire. And uh, because people need, I believe that people need to live uh, like firefighters, police officers, that we need to hire more people locally because if we hire more people that are local, then they're going to be less afraid of the the um, the community. And so those are those are two, and rent, con rent control, obviously, but uh, apart from everything else, but those, are, I think, are important. Well, I'm, because you, you did mention it is difficult to, to say, oh, I'm going to, I promise you this. And especially because you, like, as you also mentioned, in Salinas, it's kind of unique in that the mayorship is only two years. Right. So it, it's really difficult. I mean, you, you see how long it takes to get a, a sidewalk repaired to, mm -hmm. to, um, to really make solid commitments. But if you were to get elected, what is one thing that you can definitely say two years from now, at least Salinas will be headed in this direction under my leadership? Uh, yeah. Uh, 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 I, I, one of the big pieces right now is uh, COVID-19. So the city obviously is going to be short at least $19 million. Yeah. You know, there's maybe 12, 13 million that's there for emergency purposes. And so, but how do you cover that? And let's say you cover for a certain amount of time. But then is COVID-19 still going to, well, it's still going to be impacting the number of amount of money or taxes that are raised. So how do you protect the small businesses, how do you make sure that the sm small businesses are there? Because if they survive and thrive, then at least some of that tax money is coming into the coffers to, he to help. And not only that, but if it's a small business that, you know, then, then you're in essence trying to, to help some of those individuals to survive because they have to pay rents and all these other things. Small business, they don't make a lot of money. So I think that that trying to basically survive and and helping the small businesses is going to be key. And how do you um, strengthen partnerships with some of the schools? Because you, you need you need to try to go look again at the systems and is there a way that you can change the way things are done? Like for example, 
the people that work in maintenance and cleaning the parks and and those type of things. Is there a way that those individuals become part of a partnership with the superintendents, the schools? Many years ago, you know, people would volunteer to go clean certain things, the parks or whatever. Like when yeah. I was a principal, uh, we had a group of parents that were always there would be doing parent patrol, cleaning the schools, doing a lot of stuff, and it's volunteer. So yeah. so how do you change some of the structure of what these individuals do to work with people so that then you have a group of people that can go and maybe help keep the parks clean, or bathrooms clean, or paint certain things? And, and so you need to tr start thinking not um, uh, – thinking, well, how, where do we get the money to take care of this? But how do you get uh, keep the money to pay individuals to try to change the system or the, the way they operate in terms of not just I'm an individual, I'm going to go clean, but how can I get 10, 20, 30, an entire school to help me go clean? Because now my job has changed of being the one cleaning all of that to now all of a sudden I have hundreds of hands that are helping. So that's just one, one example, right. but... It it's just the partnerships with with us with with the schools, the businesses. Uh, I think we need to look at how much money you know. Can we change the system of how the police do their job, and can we save some of the money instead of forty six percent that goes to them? Is there a way that we can change? how they operate so that maybe we might be able to get money to do other things or, you know, as police officers are moving on, we just need to make sure we look at systems and then try to figure out how do we can change them for the better. Uh, and, and jobs of individuals to, you know, it's like a mushroom effect where one person's doing something and, and you get stuck in the same, the same thing and you're paying for that. Whereas, you know, your job is now not only to clean, but you know, go talk to the, the principals of, the, of that school. And then can you get the kids and the parents to say this Saturday, we're going to all converse in the park at a certain time for, you know, take the bags, whatever you need to work with uh, the trash companies. And, you know, they're going to have things to throw your, your garbage in. And so... So you got to change the system a little bit because if not, then it's like you're just turning circles. Yeah. So how would you change the system? Do you have specific ideas of, I mean, because it sounds like um, you are a strong believer in changing systems. Right. Uh, that's what, we, what needs to happen. Yes. I'm wondering if there's a system in particular you think that needs to be addressed. You did mention police officers. And so let's just start from that. Is there any other, is that your one only one or there's other systems? What no, you look at, at, at the entire, because you can, you, you can look at all the plans that exist and you can read as to what is going to happen and all of that. But the reality, I think you have to go uh, beyond that, whether it's in the parks and recreation, whether it's, uh, let's say, for example, parks and parks and rec. Can we use some of those individuals? Like, for example, in the schools, they have the after-school programs, whether they're educational programs, whether whatever that program is. It's just like when I was a principal and say, well, you can't use the money in a certain way in terms of the school plan. So then I said, okay, what do I have to do to make it happen? So I would say uh, read and write through teatro 
learning math through or to read through dance or through dance Azteca. And so you figure, okay, what, what, is this, uh, what is it that the state and the feds require? And so how do you use our keywords to try to implement some of the things that they otherwise might not allow? And so you're able to then create a teatro, uh, danzas aztecas, bailables, all of this. Uh, and, and so then you have your after-school programs. But how do you bring in maybe connection with some of those individuals to pay for maybe an extra person? Uh, or part of an extra person to come into the school system instead of just their their parks and you know their, their recreation area. Uh, in terms of um, in terms of like I mentioned, in terms of the, the the cleaning, you know, look at the system and you try to change that. In terms of, of, of the partnerships, you look at. Um, uh, but but one big piece is trying to speak to individuals like. You know, you might have some great ideas, and I'm sure you have some great ideas that you say, you know what, Ernesto, you know, have you ever thought about this? Or you look at the homeless and say, have you looked at what Texas or whatever other areas are doing in terms of building caps for the homeless? And yeah, obviously you have different levels of homelessness, right? Uh, and so you have to look at, 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 but not yourself as an individual, but uh, the unions the police officers, and how do you convince some people that say, well, I want to protect my job. I'm making X amount of dollars, and I really don't want to give up 5% of my salary, even though I might be making good money. <laughs> and and so how do you, you, you have to work with, with individuals because you could have ideas and and figure out, yeah, their ideas, but how, how are they implemented? And and how do you get other people to say, oh, that's a great idea? Or how do you plant a seed on you or you to come and tell the council or us? And then, you know, planting those seeds, and then you bring them here and say, you know what? I really like that. And so I used to do a lot of that with, um, with the staff, planting ideas. And then when they talked about it, I said, wow, that's a really, you know, that's that's a, that's a really great idea. I mean, have you dis- tried to discuss it with the rest of the staff? And then 100% supported the plans. And I'd say, you know what, is that what you guys want to do? Thumbs up or thumbs uh, or thumbs down. And then if there's somebody that doesn't like the way that the, 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 the goals and the objectives and the budget and uh, individuals and activities, then what do we need to change? And then I say, okay, if that's what you want, because we have 100% support, then I'm going to support your plan, your ideas. You know, I'm here to support you. And yeah. so it's just how do you work it? And it would be just trying to do the same with the different areas. Uh, with SE, you know, with SEIU is some of the union that that probably gets the least in terms of, of dollars. So I think you need, whatever system is in play, whether whether it's in in uh, in the parks and rec or finance, or is there a way that we need to change the top management to less management? Uh, what is it that we can do? Are there certain requirements that, are there some overlap in departments? Uh, and, and can we get away from, from those things that is just busy work or uh, so just got to try to figure out and say, instead of, well, let me see what this, all these plants have, but try to figure out, well, it's, it's common sense. It's like you look at what's there and you just try to figure it out. And with the help with, as many people as you can. 
Do you have any specific ideas of what the city can do to help uh, businesses and citizens who have been impacted by COVID get back on their feet? Yeah, I think that some some of, some of the pieces would be trying to make sure that uh, the permit center operates a lot faster than it would normally operate. Maybe try to not charge for certain fees that are required based on the permits. Uh, try to, you know, and I think the city is giving like a couple of, uh, well, some grants right now that are like $2,000 to $10,000 grants for small businesses that qualify and they're providing the help and bilingual help. So so that's 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 great. You need to look at, are there other grants out there that the state, that the county, the state, or the federal government may, may have in terms of trying to help uh, the individuals? Uh, is there a way that people can get involved to try to elect at the federal level uh, at the House of Representatives or the Senate, obviously California is kind of a given, but you know other 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 areas that the federal government can help in terms of like the twelve hundred dollars for individual that was sent uh, and the money that was provided for small businesses, but in some cases some of that money is not even trickling down uh, for whatever reasons that you know people may not qualify uh and so and i believe that the county was giving some grants to help some of the people in terms of rents so you gotta you need to look at at at, at those pieces and are there other things that that can be done like uh and i'm not i think that city was gonna start and and we just need to look at other cities what they're doing like for example with the homeless like to provide vouchers or for food or for certain things, if they help maybe clean certain areas. But like I said, you have different levels of homelessness. There, there are people that, 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 a small group of people may make the entire group of the homeless look bad because maybe they have some mental illness or have some drug issues. So then when people talk about the homeless, they say, well, Look, look, look at what the homeless are doing. When in essence, it might be a very small percent of the population. You know, some people f fall on hard times, just like with the current fires and and, and that. But those are uh, um, a few things. But one of the biggest pieces is also like talking to individuals, uh, the unions, uh, uh, the different businesses. Uh, different grants, different agencies as terms of what else can we do to try to, or are there other organizations out there that are helping and um, like the food banks and, and those with the, with the food stamps and different, different, just different organizations, at least to give that information out there. But those are a few examples well, and earlier on the show, you you mentioned that you don't really consider yourself a, a leader, but I'm curious, who did you look up to? I mean, we all have people that we look up to. Who did when you were growing up, or even you know now currently is is who who you know who did you look up to? I uh, there there were 
at least six individuals. Uh, I remember when I was about, I want to say six years old, and I think I was walking from kinder, um, six or seven, or I was walking, kinder or first grade, I was walking home. And then in the black and white TVs, you saw all this people crying and all the masses of people in disbelief that uh, John F. Kennedy had been assassinated. And so uh, John F. Kennedy would be one individual um, that I, I, I think was um, a very important person, the Kennedys and, and Robert Kennedy. And then, again, a couple of individuals were like um, uh, Emiliano Zapata and uh, Francisco Villa, La Delita, Benito Juarez. Um, then, obviously, Cesar Chavez and Dolores Huerta, um, uh, maybe Rosa Parks, Martin Luther King Jr. Those were or are uh, some of the, the, the people that I really somehow got into my mind and to my blood system that uh, they were trying to really do something for, for El Pueblo or for the community. And so... Those are, those are a few. Well, and then really, again, along those lines, we have a, a running book list that, that we're making of, of all the candidates. And so we're asking everybody, what, what do they read? So what books have you read or, or what books? Again, it doesn't have to be anything recently or it's just the like, same thing, like books that have influenced you throughout your life. I think uh, one was when I was taking a class with uh, Dr. Juan Oliveres. Uh, uh, occupied America. Um, I think it was written by Acuna, and uh, that was one book that really had a lot of history about Rodolfo Corky Gonzalez, and I forgot the gentleman, the reporter Ruben. I said Ruben Salazar. Salazar, yeah. the guy that got killed over in LA. Mm-hmm. Um, those are, um, that, that was one of the books that, uh, that I really stuck to, stuck to me. Occupied America. Occupied America. It is by Rodolfo Acuña. Yeah. Mm. And that was when I was taking the classes with Dr. Juan, Juan Oliveras. That's the, the, the main one. I've written the, I read the Bible a little here and there, but, you know, I'm not an avid reader. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm wondering, I'm going to go back again to, like, solutions. I I know talking about books and leadership is pretty aspirational, and I'm still curious about um, some more concrete answers to issues. So, um, any ideas about what could be done to solve affordable housing in this area, if it's possible at all? Uh, I think it's it's uh, it's possible to some degree. I don't think you'll be able to ever solve the issue of uh, of affordable housing. Um, 
one of the things is, as you know, we live in a capitalist society, and so you look at at affordable housing and. Everybody talks about affordable housing and, you know, what we're going to do here and we're going to do that and we're going to end this and we're going to end that. But the reality just gets worse and worse. Um, you look at the issue of uh, bedroom communities versus uh, people that live in that community. Are they able to to buy the houses? And a lot of times, like for example, in this area, if you go to San Jose area, a house is worth six hundred, seven hundred thousand here. Over there, it's going to be twice as much or more. So, if I'm an individual working in San Jose and making good money, you know, I probably might want to commute. Depends on three or four, five days, and buy a, a really nice property here because over there you can buy like one of the three bedrooms from here for for uh, twice that much. And here you can get like twice as much living space for half the price. And so when the city is approving this communities, the, the building of, of, of these houses, a lot of times are kind of looking at where the market and where the people are going to come from and not a lot of times that it'll be for the people or the residents or the citizens of Salinas. So you need to try to look at, at that and try to figure out can you, what laws the city, what the, the state or federal government has in terms of trying to have a certain percent of whether it's 35% or whatever that is in terms of, of affordable housing. But even but even beyond that, a lot of times most of the homes that are being built are being already built, and you're you know, it's not like a development where you can say like in Texas or some other places that you can say okay we're going to build the streets, some of the infrastructure, electricity, whatever that is, and then people can buy a piece of land or the 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 property and then every they can build and so that would be way cheaper to build uh, and so then you have um, the amount of money that people make so then people who are charging property taxes you know the taxes just keep on going higher and higher so you have to look at, at, at those systems and is it possible to try to create something like that in Salinas I don't know I don't have the answer um, but it would be great. I mean, if there was a way where, and then you'd have to b find somebody, some person that says, you know what, Salinas, I got this offer. I'm going to go buy this land. I'm going to create the, the, the streets and then people can buy the plot of land. And then kind of what Chispa did with some of the homes, I forget up there, Morocco or some, mm, somewhere. Morocco. And so, so. How where they have you, sweat equity? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because then. Mm -hmm. a lot more people can afford it or can you let's say do smaller homes for some of the homeless mm -hmm. uh, in terms of uh, small homes uh, because then if people are own their own property they might they're more inclined to at least keep it a little bit nicer mm -hmm. and where and where do you build this small homes mm -hmm. where just enough that has all the amenities 
uh, the, the our livable condition, you know. I mean, you can talk about ten cities, but you know, where that only goes so far. You don't have all the. So where did you? Where would the? Where would you come in as a mayor? You're the person who has this sort of an idea, and then you bring people together to work the details. Is that what I'm hearing? For anything, I think that for anything that you do, you have to bring people together. What, whatever the issue, whatever the, whether it's housing, whether it's um, businesses, whether it's partnerships, whether it's parks and recreation, anything, anything that you do, that's just like when we did the, you know, the school plan. It's done by a group of individuals, but you got to make sure that there's buy-in because if there's no buy-in, then it just becomes a plan that's just gathering dust on the on a shelf. And so whatever that issue may be, you have to involve the unions, the students, the parents, the community. And there might be different issues, a little bit different, depends on the sections of Salinas, because as you walk, you know, you see this nice, big, expensive homes that, you know, they might not need a lot of street repairs or sidewalk repairs, but their issue may be like, cars that are raising, or it might be that it's issues with public safety, or they might already have some nice, nice parks. So, so you just got to figure out then in combination with those individuals from within those neighborhoods, what are the main issues and, and what is it that we can try, try to do? Obviously there are people that believe in speed bumps, others that don't. And, then you have the the different ages and crowds and things like that, but but I think it's a a matter of working together with all the different individuals in terms of the community because it's not going to be the same for there are some issues that might be general issues for everyone, you know, like police and safety because people say let's get rid of the the, the police, but at the same time then. What happens if somebody is getting killed, shot or killed? And then, oh, well, who are we going to call? <laughs> you know, and so you just got to figure out how to weigh and balance some of those things. And it's all about systems. And it's all about being able to communicate with a lot of people and being able to convince some of the other council members or hopefully that council members have the same ideas and thoughts in terms of how do you try to move and try to create change. But at the same time, understanding that there's only a certain amount of money but, but if you look at the, again going back to systems, is that if I'm paying you to 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 clean and 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 that every year every year, then that's all you're doing. But if you create a change where all of a sudden he's got three or four or ten or fifty people that are volunteering to, do, then you're gonna see way a lot more. I forgot whatever the the quote that uh, John F. Kennedy had when when he was alive. Do not what is it? Do not ask what your country can do for you but ask what you can do for your country yeah. and so you know can we do something similar with um with salinas you know do not ask what salinas can do for you but what can you do for your your city and i remember um there was this police officer when i was working at vrb and we started this program where there was like a tri-level in terms of safety patrols there was a group of parents that would patrol from within the school and traffic and all of that. 
And then there were the walkers, the parents that went to pick up the kids and then would walk home. So they had their rest. So that was part of the patrol because, you know, they could not stay at school to help, but they surely could walk back and forth uh, to their homes with a vest. And then the third part of it was that if people did not have kids or even if they had kids and they could, uh, they knew what time the kids were going to get out, then they could go out and water their gardens at that particular time. So that would be extra pair of eyes watching the kids. So that was a tri-level system that I forget the police officer's name at that, at that time as the gentleman, but I thought, you know, that's, uh, and then it kind of got lost. We started at a VRB. I don't know if it was in other places, but those are type of systems that now you have a lot more eyes for, you know, free yeah. for parents. And so how do you work it? Anyways. Well, that, do you, do you have any more questions? I no, think I think, I think hour. we, yeah. What we like to do is we like to turn the, the floor over to you in the, the final bit. We have no question, but we, we allow you to leave us with your final thoughts. Yeah. <clears throat> well, like I said, I, um, I started working from the age of six and all kinds of jobs. Came to California, the family, to work out in the agricultural field. So I think I'm the only candidate that has uh, the migrant and the farm worker background. Um, I'm bilingual, biliterate, bicultural. Um, I uh, moved on to the educational system. And the important thing is people, if they want to get out of poverty, the best way is to continue your education. I mean, not that you'll become rich, but at least uh, you get out of the, the, the poverty arena. Um, for We can talk about all the other issues that, that uh, are important, but I think three or four that are different that people are not necessarily talking about and probably will not talk about um, are, uh, again, as I mentioned, uh, campaign finance reform. That's a big piece. I think we need to talk about term limits and uh, so that people don't stay there in office, at least in that, that particular area, forever and a day. I think we need to talk about control, rent control issues because um, it's, it's, it's crazy. Even when you say about 15, you, even if you make 20 bucks an hour, I don't think you can survive based on the rents in Salinas, you know. <laughs> and so when people say, oh, we have 15 bucks an hour, I say, well, 15 bucks an hour, what's that going to do? Yeah. <laughs> and and, uh, and uh, the local hire, I think that if you – if you hire, and I think more and more, and we've been talking about that, the more and more um, that you hire people from Salinas, it doesn't matter whether male or female, whether they're Latino or you know, or Filipino or white or whatever. If you hire from within, I think that the people that grew up in Salinas, uh, you know, understand. Um, our community better and uh, might not necessarily want to say, well, you know, okay, I live in Salinas. I'm going to go work in San Jose or I want to go work somewhere else. And so they will better understand our community and stay locally. And therefore our tax dollars would be spent locally. And at the same time, you know, we'd have more money for other, other areas. And then we might be able to change the system a little in terms of not having maybe as many police officers. I'm not saying like firing them or getting rid of them. It's like as people start leaving, you know, instead of 
replacing them. Or if you replace them, then maybe we need to start replacing them locally to some degree and, and at the same time using some of that other money for other purposes, whether it's parks and rec and stuff. But uh, like I said, I'm only spending about six or 7000 if, if at all, from, from my own money. Not that I'm rich, but I think I'm self-imposing campaign finance reform because we need to change the system so that the wealthy are not the ones that are pretty much controlling the budget, the strings. Thank you for the opportunity. Yeah. Muchísimas gracias a todos por la oportunidad. Thank you for coming. Good luck to you. Thank you, Ernesto González. Thanks for being on.